Welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. My name is Mitch Michaels. This is a sports podcast covering all your football needs in the fall. So delighted you're joining me on this show with a couple of heavy hitters ready to get into the sports season and the gridiron, all the action in the pro and the college game. First up, it's Sean Sullivan, Sully Vall joining the show to talk what else college football, his Vols beat South Carolina, get back on track. Georgia survives versus Auburn. A lot to break down. Ole Miss's big win over LSU. Notre Dame sneaks by Duke. And we look ahead to some big games into October. A lot of college football action with Sully. And then Brennan Smith, NFL expert, joining the show. We're talking about all the action from this past weekend. What to make of the Chiefs-Jets exciting game down the stretch. The Bills with a statement win over the Dolphins. And we're looking ahead to some big games coming up. Cowboys, Niners headlining in on Sunday night. Brendan Smith and Sean Sullivan on the Money Mitch Effect. Let's start the show. All right, now here on the Money Mitch Effect, back again, your friend and mine talking college football. It is Sean Sullivan. Sully Ball is back, and uh, it's an interesting time. We're into October. We're into the fall. You know, the season is flying right by. Uh, Sully, thanks for coming back on the show, and I want to start with this. I mean, where exactly would you say are the great teams because I feel like there's some good teams all at the top, but I haven't seen, you know, even Georgia, I haven't seen anyone really separate themselves yet. Yeah. That's, that's first of all, thanks for having me as always. And good talk, talking some ball with you. Uh, I actually had, I was listening, driving around, listening to the, my old friends at the college football inquirer and they brought up this very subject where it's it, parody seems to be here, whether it's NIL or the transfer portal or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, you don't have those three behemoths like Ohio State looks good uh, or Clemson or Bama up on the polls. I feel like that's been the, the case in some order the last decade. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's wide open. And, yeah, you can make a case for Texas. But how much is – I mean, yeah, winning at Alabama is a big deal. But how good is Alabama at this point? Right. Uh, I mean, Florida State's pretty good. But how good is LSU at this point? <clears throat> Michigan, they really haven't played anybody. They've, they've played a high school schedule, so hmm. really don't know what, who they are. So, yeah, this thing's wide open. It's going to be fun. It's crazy that we're already five weeks into this thing, and, and uh, we really don't have anybody grabbing it by the horn. Yeah, a couple uh, things to point out there. I think I, mean, I agree with that, and that's why I brought up the questions. I'm still looking for it, but the great teams. But I think this is kind of a reflection of, you know, your conference that you know and love because that has been the standard mm-hmm. in college football. And so if they're having a year where the top isn't as heavy, I think that all trickles down to the rest of college football. I mean, there's there's varying things too, right? The, the Pac-12 is as deep in its final year. It's sad, but they're as deep as it's been. But we're kind of just assuming, and I think it's understandable, that you know there's not going to be a perfect team in that conference, right? Like the odds of that happening are very, very slim, that a team just runs the table through the title game. Oh, yeah, the SEC West is as wide open as it's been since Shula was at Bama, right? Yeah. Like, it's – I think we can go back to that 2007. Well, I, was thinking more like the Pac, I was thinking more like the Pac-12, too, like that conference especially. Oh, the Pac-12, too, yeah. 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 yeah, oh, yeah, wide open. You know, I, I, Washington looks might be the best team in the country with that offense. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, USC and obviously yeah, has their holes, but. yeah, and looking – and, you know, because you, you brought up Bama, I think that's kind of – you know, look, Georgia won two titles. It's understandable that they're going to be losing players. I think a lot of what we're missing this year, <laughs> missing as in we, we don't want to see it or we do want to see it, but when you don't have <laughs> Bama at the top, it is a mm-hmm. little weird. Like they're, they were always kind of that conscious of, 
guys of college football. And we'll have to see who proves it because all these other teams, you know, Texas, much respect, these Pac-12 teams, we haven't really seen it from them. Like, they haven't been mainstays in the in the playoff. I mean, I guess Clemson has, Ohio State to a degree, Georgia winning the last two titles. But, you know, if Bama, and there's still, there's still a path for them, but if Bama's not in the title picture come, you know, a couple weeks from now, it's going to be very interesting how we also price the market, but who we see filling those four slots. 100%. I, I think you could take a flyer right now on on UW futures mm-hmm. to win the title. And it's just a little scary taking anybody out of the Pac-12. Uh, we talked about it on Bear Bets where it's it's going to be a dog-eat-dog conference. You yeah. know, like Oregon's USC's got a, a, a hellish stretch here coming up. And like, it, 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 and they all play each other. They're going to be there's that fear they're going to beat each other up. Yeah, and I think Bama has a similar stretch where you have you have A uh, and M, you have Tennessee coming up, you have a Mizzou game coming up. You're at Kentucky, who looks like a good team this year again. My God, what Mark Stusky is doing up there? Yeah, it's just, it's just it, 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 yeah. I think you, there's some value in the future market on taking some of the teams that haven't mm-hmm. done it yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wish you you kind of beat yourself for not taking like a Michael Penix. Mm-hmm. Heisman mm-hmm. uh, flyer after a couple weeks, but I, I still think there's some value out there. Yeah, there is certainly a path for a one-loss uh, Pac-12 team to get there. USC with the big Notre Dame coming up out of conference, and uh, of course the three SEC teams that are undefeated, just like we all predicted: Georgia, Kentucky, and Mizzou. Right? I mean, just, <laughs> <laughs> just what we thought. <laughs> exactly. I, I, that's honestly my best bet this weekend ooh, that, ooh, nice, well, yeah game okay now go, go ahead I'm not gonna jack it okay jack the, uh, well the conversation but well we'll get there because I wanted to just run through quickly what happened last week and, and also say I mean the rankings yeah. right now the top five set up with Georgia Michigan Texas Ohio State Florida State and the AP with uh, Penn State at that sixth spot the AP has USC behind the other two teams the coaches pull does not in the pac 12 Washington Oregon and I think starting with USC, I mean, we basically saw everything that we've been saying for a while and that the country's been saying for a while. Caleb Williams is the best player in the country. Odds on favor to win the second Heisman Trophy. But their defense leaves a lot to be desired. And we saw it against a Colorado team that Sully has had a tough time protecting their quarterback and was missing their five-star recruit. They still put up 40 down the stretch. Yeah, and, and Caleb Williams finally had his first turnover, and I think that played into that comeback. But, yeah, you, you can't give up just little simple swing routes for 75-yard touchdowns and expect to make a playoff, mm-hmm. especially when it's against a Colorado and not an Oregon or a Washington that looks like their their playoff uh, potential. So, yeah, that's scary. I thought I was buying into the Kool-Aid of, of Grinch fixing it this year. and <laughs> Yeah. They need with Bear Alexander and some big name uh, transfers coming in, and they quite haven't gotten that transfer portal mix right. Where it's where you see teams like Duke that flipped it immediately, mm. you know, teams like Colorado that they just played. I mean, completely turned over that that team. So I I, I don't I can't put this one on the players really. There's a lot of a lot of issues on the way they play defense on in that second half for me where you just you just sit back and don't let anything get you over the top, play super conservative, and there's no reason to be giving up, you know, sixty, seventy yard bombs. You got you gotta uh, you just gotta keep everything in front of you and, and that's that's on the coaching staff. So I I would think Grinch's days are numbered, but you never know with that guy. He goes way back with Lincoln. 
and Riley doesn't necessarily make these moves. So we'll see. Uh, that was the one. I mean, the two biggest uh, other games this weekend, the primetime slate. I mean, was that Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin's biggest win that he's had since he's been there? I mean, I kind of was doing the math, and I'm like, I don't know. I mean, this was yeah. the first time he's won one of these games. They've been competitive, but to beat LSU the way they did has to be that signature win. 700 yards of offense. Like, that is exactly why you hired Lane Kiffin. And, whoa, I am hitting the panic button on Chip Kelly. Not necessarily Brian this Kelly. year, but Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly not yeah. Chip Kelly. Excuse me, Chip's out here. He is like, Brian Kelly, how does that happen with the, mm. with the, with the SEC defense giving up 700 yards? Yeah. Like, that's just insane. I know yeah. Ole Miss got weapons left and right, but in no world should you let anybody put up 700 yards on you with LSU. Uh, with the history they have on that side of the ball, no way. So, uh, but yeah, hats off to them. I think they're. I mean, they they got they got Georgia as well. So, um, Ole Miss can go and in, in the way Georgia offense is, is playing right now. Heck, they just gave up 200 yards on the ground to an offense that couldn't score in Auburn in the last few weeks. So, hmm. it, it is wide open in the SEC. Yeah, Jackson Dart having a career game, to say the least, especially after what went down at Alabama. Big for him, not a good look for LSU. Um, and Georgia, you know, adding them in. I mean, they win late. They haven't looked great. They've been kind of sleepwalking. And oddly enough, Sully, it hasn't been back in the quarterback play. Like, he's been solid. Like, he, he isn't, you know, as crisp. But I don't think their issues is a result of just the direct drop-off between him and Stetson Bennett. They've... Had some issues running the football, which isn't subpar. They don't have as many five-star blue-chip dogs on that defense. Uh, but they do have Brock Bowers, who's the best tight end in college football by a mile. He might, be the, by, might be the best player. I mean, it's very possible he won them that game, like 100%. Yeah, I mean, the back-to-back one-handed catches and, and unreal play there at the just breaking tackles left and right for the, for the dagger there at the end on the planes. Yeah, I mean... What can you say about that guy? The dude is just, he's, he shouldn't run that fast for being that no, big. No, no. And, and, and how lucky, though, I mean, fortunate would be a better way to put it. Georgia with the schedule is not exactly the hardest they've faced in years past. No, <laughs> but uh, that Kentucky team can run the ball mm-hmm. with the best of them. Uh, coming off, they just torched the, the running back. Oh, my um, God. That Florida game was just a, was a melee. I mean, they was a one-sided beat. He had 200 yards before the end of the first half. Yeah. yeah. So, you, it, it's not apples and oranges between mm-hmm. Florida's defense. It is apples and oranges between Florida's defense and Georgia's defense. Mm-hmm. But that that's a team that's always going to be able to run the ball going mm-hmm. in probably their biggest game in, in program history. Wow. Uh, wow. Going, going down. <laughs> yeah. Number one Georgia on the road, 5-0, and could go to 6-0. and um, it, it that is just a, a massive monster game for Kentucky. Yeah, I mean it's a winnable game if they can continue to run the ball the way they did. What's your reaction post, like after the fact, after the game? Do you think higher or less of Notre Dame? I mean, they won that game. They found a way to win, but there was still some. Yeah, I mean, I that's I was going back and forth on this because it showed a lot of grit and toughness, and they weren't in the driver's seat for most of that game. They're, I guess, higher because also, too, I think they have areas to improve. So they found a way to get out of there and win. It was a game that they were the better team for most of it. But, you know, there's still room for improvement as well. For sure. I, I think they that was a gut-check drive. Notre Dame put out a great video of them just kind of mic'd up. The coaches and and uh, the players that are going into that final drive with two, two and a half to go about. Um, with Hartman leading the way down the field, just march right down the field. 
you got to feel for Duke, though. They had that thing won. Love the pooch get call. Mm-hmm. But you can't give up a fourth and, and you know, Raleigh. Yeah. You just can't do it. And they did. But, yeah, the, he's got that. Talk about a team that I did not see coming Duke. No. Oh, boy, that's that's a real deal team there. Um, so I, yeah. I think they're. I think I, I, the, the fact that they were so close, gave the game away against Ohio State, were able to get up off the turf and win a game like that on the road in a tough environment. Who would say that about Duke? They got a, another tough one on the road this week against Louisville. So mm-hmm. we're finding out a lot about Notre Dame here these two weeks. Yeah, the schedule's not exactly easy for them. Some tough ones coming up. And then lastly, before we move on to some picks. Thoughts on your Vols right in the ship against South Carolina, getting that revenge. It wasn't, I mean, obviously the injury, receiver injury out for the year is brutal, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, it was just a great performance by an offense that really needed to uh, get back in check, and they did. Yeah, that was a little bit of a, a multi-year exorcism there. Going back to last year, obviously knocking them out of yeah. the playoffs, and then Hooker getting injured, and then now Brew McCoy getting injured this year, not great. Um, but they got some weapons on that offense, three-headed monster running back so if they just keep pounding the rock they'll be all right but it, it wasn't it, it wasn't a super bowl win they're not going to to the mickey mouse land like no. rattler suggested no. after the game they got they got some big ones coming up obviously in them in two weeks i mean the stretch is pretty gnarly here going forward you got the bye week to lick your wings get healthy a&m at home alabama on the road kentucky on the road the next three games that's good that's pretty much your season right there mm-hmm. so it, that that they still haven't played the, a full four quarters yet, which is kind of crazy to say. So um, the, the bye week couldn't come at a better time. Well, let's look at this week's schedule, Sean Sullivan here on the Money Mitch Effect. A lot of interesting college games. You know, there's some Thursday games, some Friday games as well into Saturday. And I just wanted to touch on uh, you know one of the Thursday games. You know our our buddy Robbie's Oklahoma State team. This is basically <laughs> this is it right now, right? Twelve point dogs at home against Kansas State. I would imagine this is what you call the kitchen sink game, right? Like if they don't rally here, it's probably not going to happen at all this year. Oh no! And he is about as uh, op- optimistic as it could come. And being optimistic, he's not very like it is. It's, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that fan base is just in tatters right now. But there's, I mean. I just don't know what you do. Look they're at all the weird... offensive stats. I mean, they're in the bottom like ten of of FCS stats in like every category offensively. And I was just peeking at a, a just super nerdy chart that what else is college football? What else is college football fans do? Plays per drive. They're up there on plays per drive and how fast they run. They're just not going anywhere. So yeah. <laughs> it makes it even worse when you look at those stats. They're getting yeah. off a lot of plays. You're just going for a yard and punting. That's Nuts. terrible. That's so about as bad of an offense as there is in the country. And yeah, when you when you lose that Iowa State, it's probably the worst team in the Big Twelve. Yeah, yeah, uh, well, it's going to be a tough stretch there. I uh, and and Rob brought this point up, but I think it's applicable to not just Oklahoma State, but other programs that I would call those mid tiers that you know really shine on development and really outperform mm-hmm. based on that. You know, transfer portal and maybe NIL to a lesser degree, but that doesn't exactly bode well with the strategy of, okay, we're going to get a guy in here that's raw. We're going to work with him. We're going to develop him, and then he's going to shine for the last couple of years. Those guys are just gone now. They're just leaving right away. Exactly. They're, they're transferring out to an Akron or, you know, a, a place where they can mm-hmm. immediately play and mm-hmm. start cutting their teeth. Like, it's not... 
Yeah, the days of, of sitting your five-star for a couple of years yeah. and his junior years when he blossoms mm-hmm. is gone. Completely yeah. gone. Not that they've ever gotten five stars. So. Right. Now, I've heard... Yeah, I've, I've heard what you do with Gundy. Yeah, I've heard coaches say this, where it's like now with uh, with transfer portals, you're not done recruiting when they get to campus. You're recruiting them all year, so or all their careers. So, yeah, a lot to be decided there. Um, well, as we get to Saturday, and I have to ask you this question, too. Is this the best noon eastern slate that we've had all year because i think it is i think collectively this is the best it is it is tasty uh you got a rank to rank matchup which is my best bet of the year or the year (laughs) uh maryland ohio state should be good two undefeated teams there turfs feeling pretty good about themselves so that's a big fall from the shoe Mm -hmm. and then of course the drunken reverie in dallas at the state fair everybody's going to be uh, eating corn dogs and fried some, Oreos, some, some pretzel, yeah, up <laughs> some funnel, some funnel cakes, maybe, yeah. you know, oh yeah, some really sugar, le- sugary lemonade, yeah, you know, maybe a churro, yeah, that's gonna be a fun oh, thing, and oh. and there's a football game too. Um, oh yeah, it just happens to be a football yeah. game in the middle of the fair, yeah. and a look, damn good one at that. Yeah, and this, I mean, this year's edition. Look, we've talked about Texas for a while. They beat Alabama. They deserve that. Quinn Ewers has looked good and. Almost as impressive, Sully. They've backed it up. There hasn't been the letdown yet. They have looked the part of who they should be. Oklahoma has been, surprisingly, and it's weird to say based on where they were a couple years ago when Lincoln Riley was the coach, but they've been under the radar this year. You know, their defense was atrocious last year. It's better. They're doing some things offensively. They come into this neutral site game, six-and-a-half-point dogs. i got to see what the over-under is. But any read on this game in particular? Yeah, I, I like Texas in this one. I think Oklahoma's a little bit of a paper tiger uh, for a 5-0 and team. You beat the absolute hell out of Butch Jones in week one. SMU's okay. <laughs> Tulsa's nothing to write home about. Yeah. Cincinnati's in a down year. Iowa State is, like I said, the worst team in the Big 12. So, yeah, I, I think the Texas team's really well-rounded. I think the difference with this one is they've shown a they can hang with the big boys on both sides of the ball. And um, mm. it's going to be – I would lean towards the over just because like, yes. a, a touchdown, close to a touchdown in this, in this matchup pretty tough. Um, but, yeah, uh, there's going to be fireworks early. Yeah, it's, um, you know – 16 and a half. Yeah, it's come, down a, it, 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 it's come down a little bit, but that is a lot of points. One thing about this game, though, and I agree with you that I do think Oklahoma may be a little overhyped and we'll have to see, but – yeah, this rivalry, weird stuff's happened. Especially when Texas has been huge, huge dogs, they've made it game. So we'll see now. You know, not nearly as huge of a dog in this case for Oklahoma, but we'll see. And quickly on Ohio State, I feel, I feel like, you know, they're in that teaser zone, 19.5 point favorites against mm-hmm. Maryland. First game back since Notre Dame. I think they uh, understand the task at hand. They also have kind of seen Michigan isn't losing any ground. Sully and Penn State looks better than last year. So I think the... Uh, the chin straps will be on tight. They know the margin for error isn't going to be there with those two big games looming still. Yeah, and uh, little Tug of Iloa is throwing the ball all over the place. I mean, he's <laughs> averaging 300 yards a game, yeah. uh, 13 T's. I mean, he's he's, uh, he's chunking it. So points, it's, that's a pretty high number, too, at 57 and a half. Well, but, yeah. um, how long to have been yeah, how, long's, how long's to his brother been there? This is his final year oh right? shoot I, I feel like he's been there seven years yeah. <laughs> so last year the score's 43 to uh 30 ohio state the year before ohio state put it on put it on them 66 to 17 but that does sound like a high scoring game so maybe maybe that's the uh 
I mean, that's what's going to happen. Go over there, you know. Tease the go, go the over there. Yeah. Now, the Battle of the Tigers. All right, so uh, this is your best bet. And I and I know yeah. you you were you were leak, you were leaking it early, but I kind of had a feeling where you would go. Explain to me why this is your best bet. Uh, LSU Mizzou. LSU just gave up five sorry seven hundred yards uh, offense, and Brady Cook is cooking. That guy, it, I mean, he just broke the SEC record for uh, attempts without an interception, and I mean, he just threw up four hundred yards against Vanderbilt, obviously, but it's Vanderbilt. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I, they can run the ball as well. They're, that's a damn good offense. It's not all mess. Um, but you're, you're getting near a touchdown, maybe a teaser. But if you if you could find a seven out there, I would hammer that for, for a, the home dog. Yeah, by the hook would be um, a safe bet. Home dogs, always a, smart, always a smart thing to do. Uh, LSU is teetering. Mizzou has confidence, too. I think they're actually going to be playing, you know, with less pressure on them because, you know, they're not expected to win this game. They're and already playing with house money. You, are, you yeah. overlooked another important fact. Like, they have a kicker that we kind of trust. <laughs> so, oh, they absolutely yeah. do. As much yeah, as you can trust the kicker, that is. <laughs> yeah, that he's a big boy, too. Oh, yeah. He's that 60-yarder. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. They yeah, have that, weird, that. like, their home games, you know, the sleepy crowd effects you mentioned, but, like, they took Georgia close. Like, they're, they're a good home team. You know, even yep. when they're underdogs against some of these top teams. So, yeah, I'm with you yeah, there. I think this is a gut check for LSU. And we know you saw last year against Tennessee, your balls, they can lay an egg at, you know, noon Eastern. Oh, yeah, that was a home game for them, too. And, and Tennessee came in and had them down by 21 before that. I think they even got their shoes tied. So, yeah, I really like to in a big spot here. All right, like that one. Uh, how about a Pac-12 game for you at noon? UCLA hosting Washington State at the Rose Bowl. Wash State, three-and-a-half-point dogs on the road. UCLA, like, here's my thing with this game. I, I don't know what the value of a home home line is, but it looks like it's three-and-a-half here because I don't know that I trust UCLA's offense among any of the Pac-12 contenders. But yet here they are as home favorites. So I'm tempted to go Washington State. I don't know, so I mean, UCLA... What we saw against Utah, maybe Utah's defense is just that damn good. Yeah, and Utah's defense is that good. They got a nice home win against Oregon State a couple weeks ago on a Friday night. Uh, 74% of the best are on Wazoo, and I'm I'm public on this one. I, I'm trusting Wazoo. One more, they they got a chip on their shoulder. Undefeated, yeah. Hose. Undefeated. I hope they go in undefeated. Uh, keep it undefeated and win the Pac-12. For being honest, and just double birds on their way out the door <laughs> to everybody else. Yes, yeah, I, I forgot they won that. So they won that game against Oregon State, who then went and beat Utah. So Washington State's yeah. in a pretty good position with some tough games left. You said his offense. I mean, I guess that was the first step up in competition. Was Utah didn't go well, had the week off, so we'll see. But yeah, I think I think I'm leaning Washington State. I would say bet responsibly and take the points because you never know with Chip Kelly. If he's got something up his sleeve, for sure. Uh, another undefeated yeah, team, too. Yeah, another undefeated team, too. I just want to point out that North Carolina is playing Syracuse eight and a half at home. Do we expect a Drake May showcase in this one? Yeah, I do. I, do. I think Syracuse started out a nice little story there for now, but they got Molly Watts by Clemson last week, a not very good Clemson team. Uh, so, uh, yeah, give me give me a similar scoreline, 31-14 around okay. about. All right. Like Carolina. Well, I need your take on the game in College Station. Yeah. You know, and, and look, to be honest, this is an interesting 
spot to be in because A&M is only two and a half point underdogs at home. And I say only because, you know, A&M has left some stuff to be desired this season. But Alabama, Milrow, is he going to be able to handle this environment? I'll say it like this, Sully. Jimbo kind of needs this one. Like, if not now, when would be my slogan for this game and for Jimbo and A&M beating Saban? Yeah, I, I, I really like them in this place. Uh, they got a lot of weapons. Uh, Bama's defense took a step up last week, but uh, I, don't, I really don't know what Mississippi State is. I they might be the worst really team in the in the SEC, right? Like, they're in the running? They might. They, they're, they're absolutely in the running. Um, and Max Johnson's not that big of a step down at quarterback. I know they're all swagmen for the year, but um, Max Johnson is a, is a very capable distributor of the ball. They got weapons all over the field there. I think A&M's defense is really good. They're not going to let Milrow throw the ball. They're going to force him to, to to beat him with his legs. And they got a good enough defense to hold Bama to to not a whole lot of points. So I like I like another home dog. I like A&M take the, to see take the points. We'll have to see these home dogs, too, because there's a couple other ones out here and some of the less marquee ones, like home dog, uh, can Arizona State cover four and a half against Colorado? Like, I think they could, you know. Louisville, home dog. Louisville, another home dog, yeah. Um, and, and I want you to talk me out of this one, too. Talk me out of it why I shouldn't like Kentucky 14 and a half. I'm seeing over two it. touchdowns. I, I think, talk- yeah, okay. Good. I'm not We're talking out of that one. Yeah, it's yeah. just. Nothing from Georgia this year has said that they're going to boat race this Kentucky team. Like, if it happens, no. great. It's the first sign of it we've seen all year. Exactly. And and I, I think maybe maybe you get a wide-eyed Kentucky team going into a rabid uh, Sanford Stadium. Maybe a, a night game. The place is going to be hopping. They haven't lost in 22 games at home. Something ridiculous. But yeah, I think this is this is their Super Bowl, Spencer Rattler. Uh, so over two touchdowns, even if Georgia's up ten late, I could see a backdoor. You know, I could see Kentucky scoring late to, to bring it a little closer than what the scoreline might look. Yeah, I, I think Kentucky's a hell of a lot better than Auburn. Yeah, you know, I, I, just from week to week, I think Kentucky's going to be able to keep it this one pretty close to on yeah. the road. And the Louisville home dog, it's at seven right now. I think Louisville's defense can keep that within that range. I think Notre Dame and Hartman hasn't. I know he had the great drive and showed a lot of moxie there, but hasn't really been slinging it. Notre Dame hasn't been calling the plays to really have them open it up, and they've got 35 points in their last two weeks. So, yeah, let's go, let's let's try another home dog on for size because you know some of these teams are going to be winning outright. Yeah, oh, 100%. 100%. It's a crazy stat from Pat Forty. The this is the first time ever that Louisville and Kentucky are five and zero. Wow. Pretty crazy. Wow. For that huh. basketball state, crazy thing. Oh man. Well, that could be a great look. The Egg Bowl is probably not going to be that good at the end of the year, but you know, Louisville Kentucky. What's that rivalry called? Do they have the name for? What's the rivalry called? Uh, the, it should be the Boyden Bowl. If it, <laughs> if it isn't named anything, uh, the Commonwealth you, Cup, maybe. Something I'm gonna look that up right now. But I'm gonna look, I'm gonna look that up right now. But uh, any thoughts also on Ole Miss eleven point favorites against Arkansas? Yeah, I'm hammering that. That's uh, I think Arkansas is they've run out of gas. Sam Pittman, three straight losses, lost to a pretty mad BYU team. I mean, it's admirable on the road against LSU. Yeah. Let that game slip away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, AM 
A&M put it on them last week, and this Ole Miss team can put up points with the best of them. Yeah, yeah. give me, give me. I think I think they live, win this thing by twenty plus points. Give me, give me the rubs. That game. And you know, Lane loves loves to look at the line too. Oh yes, he does. Oh yes, he does. Um, by the way, that's called the Governor's Cup. That's the name of the rivalry. The game. Governor's Cup. Yeah, got you. And I knew it was some sort of stupid cup. Something changed to the Bourbon Bowl. Yeah, something stupid. Um, Miami plays Georgia Tech. Just want to bring that out. Three touchdown favorites. Georgia Tech might be the worst. I mean, they're in the running for worst Power Five team too. Bowling Green was just pushing him around last week. So, uh, yeah, it's not good going on the road in a hostile environment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, very hostile. Uh, anything else that I haven't missed? I know there's some late pack 12. Of course, I guess there's, you know, USC, Arizona, Oregon State goes to Cal. Maybe Cal will cover another spread and not win. I feel like that's their role this year. I think Cal, that actually be the last one I would target is Cal 9.5 at home. I think, th- I think Oregon State's going to win this game by like 3 or 4 points. Yeah, uh, DJU, I mean, that, that was a gut check against Wazoo. That's a really, really tough loss. But they did bounce back. Really nice win last week. My God, what a, what a performance there. Um, and then, yeah, at Cal, I mean, they – close loss to Auburn as well in there. Uh, they won – they beat Arizona State last week. That's yeah. just a, betting on bad teams. That <laughs> scares me. That is, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's going up to Berkeley, especially after the letdown of last week, would be the only one. But anything else on the board you're looking at, or is that just about everything? If you need a late night hail mary, maybe Wyoming. I like the, I oh. like the pokes okay. uh, at home against Fresno State. Another road dog or home dog getting almost a touchdown, and getting six points. Um, over under forty five and a half there. Yeah, maybe drink a little bit of plus 200. They already got a big upset uh, this year. So I think they can go out and get another one, too. Okay. Well, everyone needs a late night, Hail Mary, especially on Saturday night. So we'll definitely take that into consideration. Uh, Sully, this has been a blast. Thanks for coming on the Money Mitch Effect, talking some college ball. And uh, look at this. We're into October. We're going to have some more undefeated teams lose. We're starting to feel, we're starting to figure out what this uh, conference title game and then eventually playoff picture is going to look like. Heck yeah, man. And we got an SEC West elimination game in College Station this weekend. I cannot wait. Let's kick this one off. Jimbo or Saban. Someone's got to go, and history tells us who that'll be. But, hey, you never know. You never know. (laughs) Uh, Sully, always a blast, my man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Much appreciated. Good, sir. Huge thanks to Sully for appearing on this week's show. A lot of big action. SEC slate heating up. Some Big Ten games coming up as well as the Pac-12 just getting ready for chaos there. This has been a fun time and college football's only heating up. All right, now we got to talk pro football with Brennan Smith. He's been on the show quite a few times. He's got a lot to say about the QB situations in this league, the Bengals struggles. We mentioned it before, that Bills-Dolphins game. What a statement win for Buffalo. How the Lions look legit. Niners-Cowboys coming up this Sunday. Let's talk a little NFL with Brennan Smith now on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, four games in, four weeks into the NFL season. Joined now by Brennan Smith to break all that down. Uh, NFL expert on the show here, Brennan. Thanks for joining for the first time this year. Uh, we were talking about how fast the year is going, but uh, the plus side of that is we're starting to actually see some trends develop. So thanks again for joining the show and uh, excited to dive into this with you. 
No, thank you, man. It's been uh, it's been wild, but you're right. We're starting to separate who's who and who's the contenders and pretenders in this league. Yeah, well, we we should probably start with what was you know the most hyped regular season matchup of the year, and it turned into a one sided affair. The Bills dominate the Dolphins, forty eight twenty at home. Dolphins suffer their first loss. Brennan, this was just the Josh Allen show to me, and what that offense did with him leading the way. Diggs was exceptional. You know, their their defense did enough to obviously slow down the Dolphins, especially in that second half. But when he plays quarterback this well, accounting for all those touchdowns and you know, mixing it up and, you know, spreading the wealth, so to speak, as well. He shows you exactly why he deserves to be, at as of this moment, the front runner to win MVP. Exactly, man. And and that's what the concern was um, at the beginning of the year, especially in that Jets game. You could see he was just going full hero ball, throwing his body into defenders and, mm-hmm. and just throwing those up for grabs balls. But finally in this um, this game, you can tell he's kind of settling in and trusting the, the system and trusting that Diggs is going to be Diggs. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they had kind of that turmoil in the offseason. Obviously, he's still one of the best receivers in the league, and they and they showed it. I mean, after the Dolphins dropped 70 points, and then you think in that game it's just going to be the McDaniel show with Tua and, and all the weapons that they have. But yeah. the Bills are very clearly still at the top of the AFC it's like it's weird too because I also feel like you, especially with one less preseason game and a lot of starters out. I know the Bills do play them though, but I almost always give a team one, especially that early week one, to kind of get the you know get the gears right, calibrate properly. Maybe this was the Dolphins one game, so you don't want to jump too you know hard on them for losing a game like this. But no, I mean the Bills have actually shown if Allen can rein it in a little bit, and also the defense does look better than it did last year. I think that's the part that. You know, they don't need an all-world defense. They need just enough in these big games to slow down some top offenses. And that's what's the most intriguing thing about this, man, and, and why I can't wait for part two of this matchup is the Dolphins don't yet have Jalen Ramsey on the field mm-hmm. and the Bills didn't yet have Von Miller. Mm-hmm. So how do yeah. those guys, or who they are as defenders and who they are as leaders of defenses, change this matchup moving into the next game and and how does that affect the rest of the season where the the Dolphins have been kind of uneven on defense and it looks like the Bills are hitting their stride but how much do those guys coming back impact how this race shapes up right Waddle was first game back so he was okay but obviously not full strength and you know right like when the Bills offense is rolling I mean when anybody is doing that to the Dolphins they can't really do what they do best, and that's not to take anything away from Tua, who's been exceptional through four weeks, but they couldn't really establish the run game and mix it up, and you know they had to play catch-up the whole game because of what Buffalo was doing. Exactly, and you know Raheem Mostert kind of came back down to earth. Obviously, they found something special probably in Devin Achan, but they're still trying to figure out what what that mix is going to be, and and you're right. I mean, this this team can go up and score with anybody, but the Bills have enough defensively, and they also have that underrated experience. You know, they've been in those battles. They've been in those deep AFC playoff runs. They've seen kind of whatever this conference can throw at them with the quarterbacks that are in it and the offenses and the coaches. So they still have that leg up from where the Dolphins are shaping into a team that's going to have that experience, but the Bills get the nod this time. So when we look at it right now, and I know this is kind of an open-ended question, Bills, Dolphins, and this was a very bad week for Miami, but they're still 3-1. and one. 
Do you survey the landscape in the AFC and think these are the top two teams? Because we know the Chiefs struggled, the Ravens <laughs> destroyed my Browns the uh, last weekend. But it's tough to and the Jaguars were a team that had some hype. But you know they've they've done okay. But do you still look at the yeah. Bills and Dolphins as the top two teams in the AFC? I think so because they're the most complete. Obviously, the Bengals. Depending mm-hmm. on how this shakes out with Joe Burrow, you never count the Bengals out, but. It, it's tough. a matter of do they sit him and get him healthy or are they running out of time where they kind of need to play him because of how the AFC is shaping up. Um, obviously, the Ravens look like they're getting it together and um, Lamar is always a threat. But I, I think the Jags are still right there. Potentially, at the end of the season, they might be the third best team in the AFC. It's just that Trevor Lawrence has been unreal. It, it, he just hasn't been hitting the receivers quite right. They've just been out of sync a little bit and, and not – fully lining up, um, but when they do, obviously they have one of the best offenses of, in the league. The offensive line is going to get a little bit better, um, and defensively, it looks like that pass rush between those two high picks uh, with, with Josh Allen and um, that that edge-rushing presence is starting to come together a little bit more, so I, I still believe in the Jags, but for sure, I mean, you look at the, the Dolphins and, and Bills, and you see between McDaniel's offensive scheme and just the general battle-tested build. Right. Um, you know, you never can out Mahomes, obviously, and, and uh, the Chargers have Herbert, even though they're up and down. But that's what's fun about this, man. It, it should be on pay-per-view. It's like all these teams have so much talent in the AFC, and yeah. I'm, I'm stoked to see how it's going to shake out. I mean, we're always wrong about a lot, and it's exposed early on. But the fact <laughs> is, I mean, one of the things I think everybody was kind of right on was that the depth in the AFC kind of does, you know, stand alone in terms of comparing right. it to the other conferences. There's just so many teams, and that's even with Aaron Rodgers being out and the Jets falling down. But to kind of just go one by one, I agree with the Chiefs. You're never going to count out Mahomes. But there's some things right. with that team that are that I'd say would qualify as a little sloppy. I think it's safe to say. And there's always going to be that factor with the money situation and trying out new parts. It's also an aging team, but you know, you're always going to trust them. Their baseline is they're two time Super Bowl champs and they've got the best quarterback, you know, in, in right. there. So they're there. And I think the Jaguars, to your point, I'm not it's not so much being out on them. It's that, you know, they have to play a brutal schedule for having won last year's from having won the division last year and being matched up. The other part is matched up with the AFC North, that deep division too. So the schedule not boding well, and that Texans loss is the one that might hurt them there. But I think that they're, you know, another team too, if you talk about the Jaguars for one more second, they got hot at the end of last year. And I always wonder with the NFL, not to say the Jaguars fit this bill, but they might in the sense of, were they a great team? Are they a great team now? Or are they a team that just kind of got hot and might regress back to the mean? Exactly. And and I think the, Truly, man, the bigger story across the AFC and, and NFC, too, is there is a greater disparity in offensive line play, oh, I think, that yeah. there has ever been. In I mean, the Bengals, the Bengals and, situation yeah. is just brutal. And I think that's the worst. It's it's the combination of two things. Burrow's injury, obviously, at the top, but right. they don't have a line that can really protect him. And, you know, you saw it with the Titans, who have had so many issues moving the ball, but they realize, okay, if we get a lead – and we can unleash the dogs on Burrow, and it happened. And, and that's why I'm with you with the Bengals, that they can make a run and come back and do things. We know they've done this before. They were 0-2 last year. But with the schedule and with some must-win games, they don't have the luxury of sitting him out and figuring this thing out. They have to just start winning. Exactly. And, and the AFC North, obviously, the, the Steelers are struggling. But the, 
the Browns are starting to put it together a little bit, and obviously the Ravens look like they're ascending. And that that division is always so difficult, and you can't wait around until the latter half of the season to try to win it because you'll be out of it. And that's that's the situation that the Bengals are in, and they and they know that uh, they need him out there. But what what percentage of Joe Burrow are you getting at this point? And that's I mean it's an impossible situation, man. And it's it's truly it's stark with some of these offenses that are just stopped because there's nobody that can protect up front and it's just such a razor thin position group in the nfl that it's just wrecking everybody's offensive plans before they start and it's going to start to separate i think more and more and more as the season wears on so right now as it stands the Bengals are one and three they got Cardinals, seahawks before the bye and then it's and then it's the Niners obviously so you know they got to just try to get to that bye but Cardinals you think might be winnable Seahawks after Monday might not look so much so we'll see what happens there you know yeah and you mentioned it's I I don't want to rehash that game I mean look the Browns had a rookie quarterback that looked very much like a rookie in that game not to take away from the Ravens their offense was gelling Zay Flowers is stepping up nicely and they're a team Similar to the Bills, you just need to get enough out of that defense, keep them more upright, and they're going to be good. It is just, it's fascinating with this Browns team watching as a fan and an observer, Brian, in the sense that that defense is so elite this year that you do get yes. a sense going into these games that the offense can just, it's like the reverse, give you enough, not turn the ball over and start out with the lead. Right. How different these games can be because the Titans game, the Bengals game, once they got the lead, it was just, it, it almost even felt over to begin with. But the flip side of that right. is offensively with the Nick Chubb injury, you do have to wonder, and Deshaun has to play better when he's out there, what you're going to get from that unit. Exactly. And that's that's ultimately what's going to make or break the Browns this year is what version of Deshaun Watson are you getting? And can those playmakers make the plays they need to make without the threat of Nick Chubb? Mm-hmm. And that that's going to hinge this, this whole thing, but it, it just speaks to the larger trend and not to beat it to death, but the teams that have elite quarterbacks can mm-hmm. kind of wait around and navigate these things, especially if they're mobile. Um, speaking of, you know, the Eagles, they didn't look quite right the first right. two weeks, but they're still winning. It, it, that's, that's the point of this larger conversation is if you have somebody under center who can just really mm-hmm. buy you time yeah. and keep everything afloat until things start to come together with chemistry and, and personnel, you're yeah. going to be fine. And, and we're seeing that in the AFC. Yeah. And, Unless you're the Niners, right? Because it feels like a no disrespect to Brock Purdy, but it's just the perfect situation. Like, if you were going to be a quarterback in the NFL, it has to be a no-brainer. That's where I'd want to play. And, and, and they, I mean, you know, the proof is in the pudding at this point. It's like him, and, and you can say he's not among the elite quarterbacks, but the way they have built that team, it is nearly quarterback-proof, unless you're Trey Lance, um, <laughs> ripped to that uh, tenure, yeah. but you know, they, they, that, that system is so infallible, but that's continuously where the 49ers have fallen short is when it gets down to the truly elite of the elite. That's where they're falling short, and that's where I want to see Brock Purdy yeah, I mean, at 100% try to navigate that. It's true, and then last year's game is, a, you know, football's football injuries happen. There are what-ifs, I understand, from the Niners' side. They feel like, man, we, we don't know what would have happened if he would have been healthy. Very fair to wonder that. I will say... It seems like, I agree, it seems like a quarterback-proof quarterback system, but he's got the best passer rating and the best uh, touchdown-interception ratio, too. So he is, look, if you're going to take it on the surface, I know it's hard with QB play, right? Like, what are the top 10? That's the debate. He's close if he's not at the bottom end of that top 10. So I think 
we do have to give Purdy respect in that regard. And I, I think something that, that is so still underrated wildly is, and obviously I'm a little biased as a ASU guy, but Brandon Ayuk has taken the step and that has unlocked this offense as much as Christian McCaffrey is, you know, you can say you're watched how good he is and, and how Debo is a good change of pace and mm-hmm. he's physical and obviously George Kittle is George Kittle, but the, the reason I think one of the biggest reasons this offense is kind of catching on is because Ayuk has yeah. become a top 15 receiver in the league, top 10 receiver mm-hmm. in the league. And he will lock a version of this offense that I don't think they quite had with the version of Brandon Ayuk from last year. That's very, very true. Add him to the mix. Obviously, you know, C-Mac with four touchdowns is just stupid. Like the Niners are, and, and you respect what the Eagles have done, but the Niners have been the best. I and mean, we'll see when competition yeah. steps up. The Eagles, as you said, I mean, they're getting through. They're winning. There's some there's some issues there that I think are obviously correctable. The D-line and Jalen Carter and how he's played has been amazing. But the secondary yeah. still has some holes in it. And I do wonder, and this is obviously nitpicking from someone clearly on the outside myself, but their decision to go with which running back in which situation has always fascinated me as well. Because it seems like Swift has done enough to be the guy, but they haven't fully given him the, the bulk of the carries. Right. And it, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's two teams where one guy is getting 150% of the carries in McCaffrey and we'll see if yeah. he wears down and the season goes along versus the guy who seems like the alpha in the Eagles offense in Swift isn't getting quite that same level of respect because they may be trying to preserve him. But the thing that bodes well for the Eagles is obviously that pass rush mm-hmm. is unbelievable. The offensive line still looks really good. So that, that pass rush can help your yeah. secondary and, and buy you time back there. But I think another huge facet of this is obviously Devontae Smith was rolling the first mm-hmm. couple of weeks. But then A.J. Brown absolutely took over like we know he can in the last week. And that is is kind of the missing piece uh, for getting hurt to the level where he needs to be to be at the top end of the NFC. And uh, I'm just fascinated to see how they share that through the season and, and having both guys be able to alpha the game and kind of take over is what's going to send them over the top. More with Brennan Smith here on the Money Mitch Effect as we keep it going. Uh, Talking NFC now, after four weeks, you you obviously see those two teams, the Niners and the Eagles, as the top in the conference. Would you say now, I mean, given, given what we saw, the Lions win a Thursday night game, the Cowboys get back on track, would it be one of those teams next in line or somebody else? I'm I'm a believer in the Lions, man. I mean, obviously, we've seen the splits between when Jared Goff is is at Ford Field or away, but yeah. at Lambeau, he showed up, and and you know, it's not quite as uh, intimidating as having Rodgers across from me and trying to compare that uh, to Jordan Love. But I think they've finally figured out how to accentuate his his strengths, and uh, there's obviously he's not the same Jared Goff that was in L.A., which is a huge compliment to. Yeah. the offensive staff in Detroit. But I, I believe in them, man. They've, they've got everything. They've got that edge. They, they play uh, tough. They've got a good run game. I mean, you know, nobody knows what's happening with Jameer Gibbs. I, I hope he gets going a little bit more. But uh, yeah. obviously David Montgomery, yeah. compared with David Montgomery's Chicago version, <laughs> uh, has taken another – hit another gear. And, you know, they, they've got enough to, uh, as it stands right now, just kind of run away with that division so well yeah that 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 last part we'll see right because it is a long season and you know how streaky the nfl can be but the schedule shapes up kind of nicely 
Goff has a lot of weapons around him. The running game, the receivers. I mean, there's weapons across the board. They've done enough. Their defense used to be horrendous. It's gotten better as well. And he's matured as a quarterback, too. He's overcoming adversity in the sense of when he throws interceptions like he did in the Thursday night game. He just shakes it <laughs> off now. He's uh, got yeah. some underrated toughness as well. They're not a bad choice there, especially given that division. I would say, though, that the Cowboys might have been my theory of just one bad game. Now looking at what yeah. happened with the Patriots, that was a clear look ahead in Arizona, losing that game the way they did. And that is a reflection of you know not being prepared. It's on the coach. It's on the players. But right. They bounce back and, and do everything right in New England. I just the, the defense is where I'm so rock solid on Dallas. I know the Arizona game notwithstanding, but you get a sense with Parson, even with Diggs out, Parsons, Mika Parsons, obviously, you're gonna have those guys ready to ready to go. We'll see offensively where they're at. And uh, the other thing on that game is this is what rock bottom finally looks like for the Patriots. Exactly. Yeah. And and we It'll be interesting to see how this Cowboys defense continues to move without uh, without Diggs, but I, that is they're another one of those teams where they're solid on both lines. They have a veteran quarterback. Tony Pollard's playing well. C.D. Lamb is obviously a, a rock solid receiver, um, and I can't wait to watch Sunday night, man. Mm. I, we're going to really know where these. Not to peek ahead too far, but where are the 49ers and where are the Cowboys in this pecking order? Where they've played a lot of uneven games. And which one is for real legit um, that the proof is in the pudding is, and the cream's going to rise to the top. I'm excited to see. But the Patriots, I, I, I don't know, man. I, there's not an easy fix. And, and that's uh, you're, you're kind of relying on Mac no matter what. And looking around at the AFC East, we, we said on paper this is probably the weakest team in the division. You never count out Belichick, but as the Bills ascend further and the Dolphins ascend further. And he, if you get the version of Zach Wilson uh, that played this week, then the Jets are going to be competitive because of their defense. And, and it, I mean, it's yeah. very – I mean, who else can you pin it on besides the Patriots at this point well, to be the, the, the last person in that division? That's what's crazy, right? We always knew the Jets have a defense. But I don't think – and I don't know if Zach Wilson will ever play like that again. Maybe he will. I hope for his sake he does. But – that was better than any Mac James Mac Jones game I can remember. Yeah. Like, I don't know yeah. that he has that ceiling, and that's when I think they will be, you know, moving on at some point because you need some type of quarterback play unless you're San Francisco that's going to contend with all these great quarterbacks in his division, and his conference, say what you want. But it's an interesting position to be in because, you know, and defensively they've been ravaged by injuries. Two more guys get hurt. Judon's out as well as Gonzalez. Like, that's just a tough situation to be in. But, yeah, it's a – it's a tough one for a team that hasn't been there, but you know the the season goes on. I did want to get before we look ahead to the schedule, some big games coming yep. up, just some other games to get to. And your your team in particular, the Rams, you know, sure. holding holding on, I would say is the best way to put it because <laughs> they were they were doing well, they were cruising, they let Richardson, the Colts' offense, come to life. They couldn't get a stop at all down the stretch, including a couple two point conversion plays. And yet, when they needed to in overtime, they get the ball and they go right down the field and score with Puka becoming one of the premier receivers, uh, rookie or not, so far this year. But thoughts on where the Rams are? I think, in one sense, that was a frustrating game, and there's been moments of frustration with the Rams. On the other side, Brennan, I don't think many people had much in terms of expectations for this football team going in. They didn't, and, and that's the mentality I have currently with the Rams, Mitch, is we're to the point in Matt Stafford's career where we know who Matt Stafford is. He's going to throw a frustrating interception and then he's going to lead you 60 yards down the field for a game winner in overtime. That's, 
that's the quarterback situation that they have with Matt Stafford, uh, good or bad, uh, indifferent or different. That's, that's who he's going to be. The, the exciting thing and the, the promising thing is the offensive line has been better than advertised, especially starting a rookie at left guard. Um, and a lot of guys who I don't think anybody had penned as a, as a fantastic group. And they, they struggled um, a little bit in that, in the San Francisco game, but they uh, the early returns are their solid. Finally, a, a commitment to, to one running back, um, and the Cam Akers era is over in L.A. And obviously Puka, the interesting thing is going to be now with Cooper Cup probably coming off uh, the, the injured list. How did those – catches get spread across those two guys who starts to fall out and how does the offense uh morph when they have both of them as threats and i as always the rams i mean going back to the super bowl and before that they've always had one dominant receiver and then someone who's more of a blocking type receiver that that gets involved but isn't quite the uh target vacuum that the number one guy is and now it's it's interesting because stafford's had that uh that time to build chemistry with Puka. So hopefully there's two options in this offense that can play multiple roles and move forward and be threats for this Rams team. But just along for the ride, man, no expectations <laughs> is, is fun. And yeah. uh, they've been fun to watch. Yeah. Interested to see how Puka and cup again, like you said, how they gel, what the offense looks like. And we'll see. I mean, that division, it's funny, right? The four doesn't look so bad with the Cardinals showing some promise. <laughs> I mean, the Niners are great and the Seahawks, winning three straight after losing to your Rams. So they're back in the mix as well. I did have a question, though, uh, in regard to that Monday night game, though, if you th- who yeah. you think is in a worse QB shape, whether it's whether it's Mac Jones and the Patriots or what we saw Monday, Daniel, <laughs> Daniel Jones and the Giants. Oh, man. I mean, I think you have to, uh, by default, because of the money committed to him, it's Daniel Jones mm-hmm. right now. It's, it's, there's not an easy way out of that uh, for the next couple of years. And, you know, Mac, um, I, I think part of the problem for both quarterbacks, to give them credit, is obviously Daniel Jones is under siege, but neither of them have go-to receivers. It's Darren Waller and Hunter Henry have, have shown spurts, but a lot of these teams, I think, kind of take for granted that quarterbacks can make more out of the receivers right. instead of having the, the flip side of that, where you get a good receiver that can help uh, elevate your quarterback. And we're seeing that with both the Patriots and the Giants, where they have solid tight ends, but the guys on the outside are just not making the plays that, that you need to help them, especially when the offensive line is struggling. So give me uh, Danny Dimes. Uh, it's going to cost a lot of dimes for the next few years. And, yeah. um, you know, I don't I don't know how you get out from that situation easily. Quarterback play is a funny thing, right, in this league. I mean, we saw it when the two worst teams played Bears and Broncos, that both teams in different QB stages and what's going to happen <laughs> next year with the classes coming in and, the tanking that might come and there's going to be a lot there uh last thing before we look ahead uh nfc south i mean with the bucks yeah. being the saints you think that's going to be the team or are we going to just have wins losses and wait till week 17 and we'll start to figure it out i i think that's where we're going to shake out man i i mean uh i don't know what the falcons are going to get from desert Ritter moving mm. forward but they have so much talent at the skill positions um, and, and kind of a, an underrated defense. And then you look at the Saints, and they, they're they solid, but uh, Baker's kind of played out of his mind and, and beyond um, what the expectation could be. And uh, Carr, you know, his, it looks like he's dealing with that injury a little bit. Um, Alvin Kamara's back. It, 
I mean, the only thing right now is I think you, if you're the Panthers, you're a little bit worried. I think you want a little more out of uh, Bryce Young and, and what that team is. Obviously, they, they need to build a little bit. But how this division was built at the beginning of the year is somewhere where you can learn and, and kind of take your lumps but not be totally outclassed every week. It's looking like the Panthers might be uh, stuck in the, in the back half of that. But the other three teams, I mean, they all have different advantages and different uh, disadvantages, and I think it's going to go deep into the season to figure out who's the best. Well, yeah, you mentioned that because the Panthers also don't have their first pick. Pick It belongs to Chicago, so there's no motivation to lose. Right. And, and <laughs> I don't want to say it, but, like, C.J. Stroud looks really good. So they're going to have to yeah. – <laughs> the doubts are coming in <laughs> now. Did, uh, did we get the wrong guy? Because C.J., and I know I'm biased, but he has looked as hands-on better than any rookie QB. He's He's been a blast to watch, man. And obviously, D'Amico's looking like you, you hit gold mm-hmm. At, mm-hmm. at a head coaching position. But yeah. that was that was the concern. You know, the Bryce Young you got at Bama, if he, if he has time to throw and can navigate and go through his progressions, then – yeah, he's the number one overall pick, but then the physicality and the, the size that Stroud and yeah. Richardson had, that's already playing a role that I don't think anybody anticipated right. in the first few weeks. And it does magnify that Bryce Young is Bryce Young. That's, you know, his measurables are his measurables, and we right. talked about it to death hmm. draft, but that's when that thing comes to a head because you can see. You know, Richardson probably doesn't need to take the hits he's taken, but Stroud has just been executing in that offense, mm-hmm. and and they look they look legit, man. I think they're going to be there in the in the South. Well, that's so. yeah, yeah. And if I mean, the Titans don't look as hot, Colts are in a different phase. If the Jaguars stumble, could Houston get to nine, possibly even ten wins? I could see it. They're two yeah. and two now. I mean, and and I'm not. I'll cap it at like ten, best case, but like nine could win this right. division if Jacksonville stumbles. So. Here we are again. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> listen, the, the AFC is, is tough, but we, it'd be a blast, you know, mm-hmm. the, the October putting the, the toe in the water is yeah. maybe they'll be in the wild card yeah, situation, wow. and we'll see. Well, uh, this is a good place to kind of to end in looking forward at what we have this week other than the Thursday night Bears-Commanders game, and really Monday Packers-Raiders. I mean, it's unfortunate the primetime slate, but we do have a good Sunday night game. Cowboys-Niners, which you highlighted, a great measuring stick game. Dallas always plays San Fran close. They don't win a lot of these games, but they're always right there. Uh, so that's one for sure. And then you got Jags-Bills in London. Don't want to forget that one. That's, you know, Jags winning this one, they're right back on track. They lose their under five hundred again. So that's one. Uh, and I would also just throw out there, even with the QB situation, you know Ravens-Steelers is going to have something weird happen into it just on the history. So any anything always. else? anything else out there that stands out to you? Yeah, man, I think uh, the, the biggest thing is for me is uh, Jags-Bills. I, I want to see how the Bills travel this across the pond and the Jags uh, get the benefit of being out there for two consecutive weeks. And this is These are the kind of games I look for as benchmarks for the quarterbacks that are just outside the, the elite tier uh, looking in. And can Trevor Lawrence elevate this team to – uh, get that kind of a win and really legitimize how the Jags are going to be in the AFC hierarchy. So that excites me. And obviously, you know, Sunday night uh, after the last couple, uh, this one's going to be a treat to watch the two NFC teams go to battle and see these schemes and, and who um, asserts themselves as the clear front runner with, with right. the Eagles. 
I was looking at this schedule too, and I thought there's going to be an upset in the late window. I just don't know. I, I think I think yeah. Minnesota could knock off Kansas City with a desperate Kirk Cousins goes crazy game. I, I felt that too when I looked at and it, man. I, I think I'm actually not counting out your Rams either because I feel like this could be the kitchen sink game for McVay yes. in the offense. Yes. Like, let's try everything. The Eagles aren't at their best level. <laughs> They're running on fumes. This is when he this is when he breaks out the trick plays and everything. You know. This is when you need prime Aaron Donald, you know, or like he's too, Jalen yeah. Carter on the other side yeah. and he says, hold on. I'm, I don't know if I'm ready to give up my spot no. just yet, but yeah. I think both those are going to be close, man. But I, I get the, the feeling in my gut a little bit about the Vikings too, because if not now, when, right. and right. when you're a desperate team, uh, you know, you, you throw everything against the wall and Jefferson's mm. still been playing mm. really well, but they, they need some kind of run game to, to be in there and, yeah. and keep the ball out of Mahomes' hands. So mm-hmm. that's going to be the, the important part of this game. I had another thing, too, quickly. Uh, still in a uh, survivor pool that is down yeah. to, from 80 to, like, 17 because of all the Damn. upsets two, all right. two weeks ago. <laughs> and uh, I went, I went. you know, it's the traditional where you can only pick them once all year. So last year, sure. last yeah. week I went a little crazy, and I did pick Minnesota against Carolina to try to save okay. some teams. But the way it's shaping yeah. up for me, given who I've burned so far, there's a path yeah. I'm considering where I'm fading Carolina for three okay. straight weeks. Going the Lions okay. this week and then the Dolphins the following week. <laughs> Man, I, I think, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I Let's mean, do it. Yeah. Keep, keep it going. Yeah, you know, you still got teams <laughs> like the Niners. and the, I mean, the Dolphins play the Giants, which we know could be a good one too. But still got right. I still got Niners, still got Eagles. Um if you, I burned the Bills and the Chiefs, so I still got some teams out there that I'm trying to save. But, yeah, this is hunker down mode. So we're just trying Man. to just keep it going. But, yeah, I think the Lions might be one to, to watch. I, this Man. would be a bad letdown loss for them this week. Same with the Dolphins having to bounce back versus the Giants. So we're, we're getting into the right. fall football time. It's yeah. not much better than that. But Brendan Smith, always a pleasure. Thanks for coming on and talking football. You'll be back for sure. But appreciate you taking time to do the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you, man. Always a blast. And uh, your survivor pool success is mine, so I'm rooting for you. Yeah, especially because wit's out, so <laughs> it's all unified on me now. Let's go. Uh, thanks again, Brian. Appreciate it. Absolutely, man. I appreciate it. See ya. That's it for this week's episode of The Money Mitch Effect. Thank you to Brennan Smith. Thank you to Sean Sullivan for appearing as guests. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. A reminder that The Money Mitch Effect is on all your podcast platforms. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts. And you can check out The Money Mitch Effect Facebook page as well as follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. We're back next week to talk more football and uh, the start of hockey season as well. Got a, got a big show planned for that. Can't wait to talk some puck as well as some football. For Sean Sullivan and Brandon Smith, my name is Mitch Michaels. This was the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you for listening and keep enjoying sports.